after further review as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. <laughs> he is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Fula. This has its own magic. Welcome back to 88.3 WGTs. After further review, got Frank Vashner here live in the studio. And let's see if the telephone works here. Your buddy's here, right? Yes. Uh, Chris Heck, an alumnus of Michigan State University, come on to, to discuss uh, Mark D'Antonio's sudden resignation. Chris, can you hear us? I, I can barely hear him. So did you turn him up? Yeah, I did turn him up. All right. Chris, we can, ba- we can barely hear you, bud. You there? Uh, let's see here. Let's see if you can hear us now. Hey, Chris, you there? I can barely hear him. Oh, you can't get your head. Did you turn your headphones up? Turn your headphones up. Can you hear me? Uh, So what we'll do is we'll have Chris call in, actually. The phone lines seem like they're not working yet. So have Chris call my phone. All right. I will do that. And uh, once again, we got to play this game of, of, of chicken, cord, whatever. Let's see here. Hold on. Before he calls in, I got to. Make sure that we can get this all set up. It's kind of stinks here. I know WXUT, we got to see here. Okay, let's see if it works. All right, so he'll just call in and see if we can get him to do this. But really unexpected that he, uh, Mark D'Antonio actually retired. But some people believe that there were some allegations that come up in a lawsuit from a former assistant and – $4.3 million kicked in for a longevity um, extension. But mm. very surprising. I think he I think he was an excellent coach and really put Michigan State on the map for football. I mean, the, 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 the program was is. pretty much irrelevant. As now we have Chris on the phone lines. Chris, can you hear us? Let's see here if Chris can hear us. All right. Actually, what we're going to do is mm. – we're gonna do is actually hold on. We'll have Chris call back because I don't know if Chris can. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Actually, what we'll do is we'll have Chris call back. I'll fix it up a little bit for him. You explain a little bit what's going on, and I'll get get it all set up. Last week we we got David on the phone lines. Well, that's what we'll do. We'll have Chris call back real quick, and I'll fix it up for you, and uh, just explain to the fans what what Mark D'Antonio though. Well, so I got the news Tuesday, and initially there was a report from uh, Jim Comperoni of Spartan Mag said that he'd heard from two independent sources that D'Antonio was hanging it up. Hang on. Let me well, call the phone right yeah, now. Yeah, don't have him call the that phone. Just have him hang up and just explain the story, what's going on here. Just a little technical difficulties, but the, you're right. It was kind of expected. Just hang up and then have him. Hang on. I 
We'll, we'll let them know and call in. We'll just give the backstory of what's going on here. Chris, you got to call Derek's cell phone. Just tell him to call in about five minutes. Call in about a couple minutes. Yes. So. There. Figure that out. So I'll get that all set up for you and go on with this. Like I said, I really highly respected Coach, but there were some people that were a little angry about how the Big Ten Network was kind of putting him on a pedestal, so to speak. Well, okay, so first off, back to when I found, initially found out about it was a tweet from Jim Comperoni of Spartan Mag. And now I kind of, when I looked at it, I kind of figured, okay, well, Jim's actually a pretty well-respected guy. Uh, he Spartan Mag's a paywall site. you got to pay to read content. And if he says that he's got two separate sources, then I guess he you can believe it. And then news ended up breaking not long after that D'Antonio had tweeted a letter out out that he was hanging it up up immediately and then when i saw that mine i began to wonder okay what's going on did you cry i didn't okay cause I but know sometimes you can get very emotional i had because there were a lot more questions than answers why decide to hang it up right before the second national signing day period that's what I began to wonder. And then I began to think, okay, either there's a serious family issue going on or a serious health issue. That was one. The other was that I know the Curtis Blackwell lawsuit was going on and that he had done something severely wrong and more than just what Blackwell was alleging, saying that he had hired recruits' parents to be on staff. Come on, that happens at a lot of places, and the NCAA doesn't really give a hoot. Yeah, that 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 is very commonplace in NCAA. Where if you want now, usually it's a star recruit. It's someone's going to make an impact on your program when when actual parents or former coaches actually get on the staff. That then they'll they'll hire those people. But no, a lot of times, let's face it, it, it happens. All right. Yeah. Okay. So Chris, should I let him know to call sure. your phone now? Sure. All right. I am going to do that. Okay. So anyways, and then the other the other one I thought of was he said, okay, I've got my $4.3 million bonus. F y'all. I'm out of here. And he decided to screw over everybody. Now, I can't, I began to think about that. It's like, would D'Antonio really be that type of person? Could be. And then the other theory that I had heard, and this was just rumor, what All was right. that? Was that the board of trustees? Is Chris forced... there? Chris, are you there, man? Yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, cool. Right, there good. you go. We got Chris. So on, I guess on it was just uh, we had to get a different cord in. Yes, just basically the the board got shut down a few weeks ago and they reset it, so they got to reset it again. But Chris, welcome to the show. I think this is was this your first time on after further review. Yeah, I've listened to you guys quite a bit, so it's a good show. Oh, well, thank you. I like to like it from the callers and the listeners and the watchers on the HD feed as we do have it up on our page or at Facebook. Yep. So, anyways, Chris, what we were just discussing was my initial four theories about why D'Antonio's sudden resignation. My first was family issue or serious health issue. That kind of got squashed at his press conference. The other was... He did something really bad, worse than what Curtis Blackwell was alleging, or he was taking the money and running, 
or the board of trustees decided to be their usual scumbag selves and forced him out? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, over the last four years, I've noticed it. I mean, I'm a season ticket holder, and just the way D'Antonio has presented himself, you can just tell he's he just he's aged a lot in the last four years. He just looks drained. And he's he's a guy all about 100% commitment. When you look at his recruits, when he recruits somebody, if they're not 100% committed, he just lets them walk. I mean, if these it's, it's very similar with his coaching. I think that he felt that he wasn't 100% committed, and he, he made that statement that he he didn't feel like he was all in. So I think that played a factor, but I, I, I could see the Board of Trustees also playing a factor in this. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned him kind of looking tired. I mean... I had even watched a little bit of video from Justin Spiro of Spiro Avenue, and he's an MSU grad, and he kind of mentioned the same thing too. And look, and I, and I can understand, and I can understand that, but the whole timing of it is just really what kind of throws a monkey wrench into everything. Why do it right before the second signing period? Well, I, I I'm kind of in the camp a little bit. I think he wants Mike Trestle to get it. Um, I. Well, if he wanted to do that, there's a better way to do this. You go into oh. the season and say, oh, I, you know, the health reasons or I'm tired of this. And then Mike is able to get in the job and be the interim coach and prove himself through the season. Now he quits now. Now you can just basically go through a hiring form and, and, and look for a new coach, even though it is during the recruiting period and you still got spring football if you want him to, to be the coach, usually they try to do the old trick of just retiring right before the season starts. Yeah. And I think Bob Stoops, he did a very similar similar thing um, with Oklahoma uh, where he kind of retired a little later in the game too. But, uh, yeah, I kind of agree. It just, it's just, it's just weird. It is. It's just there's a lot of questions out there, and as D'Antonio always is, he's going to give you vague answers, and uh, he's just going to move on to the next question. So, Or say that the question you asked was a dumbass question. Well, he is, yeah. he, is, he is 63 years old. He has been there for 13 years, and people will say now with the increased – Signing periods. Now you got two signing periods. Remember, in February was the be all end all of this of the signing periods, and that's when you got all the recruits. You, you pretty much nowadays either you're coaching the team or you're on the road. And I mean, it's, some people have said I, I would even quote you know Colin Coward. Even he said some of these long uh, standing coaches, maybe even the Nick Sabans, are going to start retiring soon because it's so taxing. I mean, how much of you know you're going to be either coaching or recruiting? And you're always on the road. In college football, at least you got a little bit of downtime. You know, after the recruiting period, you got some downtime. Then you get into spring football, but it's almost constant. You're on the move constant. Or even after the football season's over, you're preparing for the bowl, but you get a little bit of a break. But remember, you got that mid-December, end-December uh, signing period. You're still trying to get kids to come in. It's like it's like nonstop. And some people are thinking that, man, I got to do all this work. I got to, you know, first of all, you got to recruit, you got to coach, not to mention you got to, you know, kind of suck up to the boosters. You got to do all, be the face of the program. I mean, after a while, you get kind of burnt out. I could see Dan Antonio really getting burnt out from all that. And like you said, yeah. you know, you noticed it on his face. Yeah. And, but of course, I wonder 
why not announce it, say, after the bowl game, I'm stepping down and it's going to be effective of the day uh, of my buy of no, my no no he had to sign that longevity buyout and he had to be there past January so he wasn't getting it unless he got past January and and, and, as, and I don't okay sorry, I don't Chris, I don't I, I don't I don't blame him because the whole entire thing the whole entire thing with that was that he had to reach certain uh, levels in his contract in order to get that payment and so he kind of had completed it it's just you had to make it to this date it's almost like Similar thing when you talk about retirements for people, you know, it's just you reach a certain point in your life where it's like, hey, you know, if I just wait, you know, one more year, I can retire. And I don't know. I I don't blame them for that. But I think there's more factors into this than just that. Yeah. But I mean, we'll kind of go back to what well, can I ask you guys this. And I you know you're doing this from a fan perspective. But why does it have to be more than just that? Why can't it just be he wants to spend more time with his family? I mean that happens as a coach. It's a lot. You, 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 your family members have to really sacrifice for you. And you know sometimes in the coaching game, it leads to divorces because you're not home all the time. But yeah. I. But here's the thing. I wonder is that he ends up tweeting out a letter, and he initially doesn't say there's a there was a something up with his family or anything. And you know I cannot. And I mean, if he would have said that, then yeah, I probably could have understood that. Said that. But also at the same at the same time, I'm why tweet out a letter first instead of calling a press conference first? And well, that's then the way to go now. I mean, the media has just changed the shape and form of the media has changed. Let's just like we talked about TMZ nowadays. They're usually breaking the story. No one wants to believe TMZ, but usually right now, if you think about it, when it comes to breaking stories, they're kind of like the number one news source. Now, obviously, ESPN and them kind of confirm it, but. Twitter is the way to go now. If you want to get your message out there, you go to Twitter first and not really call it on a press conference because think about it. You can call on a press conference and somebody else will tweet the, the information out first. So you probably wanted to jump on it first before someone else did. Yeah. But also kind of going back to the whole theories that came out. I mean, obviously, when he is at the presser, there was he didn't say there was a serious health issue or a family emergency, which, again, we can we as Michigan State fans can at least be thankful for that because nobody wants to see that happen. And also the notion that he did something ultra nefarious that kind of got squashed a little bit too because nothing although nothing has come out yet and I hope that nothing does come out. And of course the the whole take the, the take the money and run I think has a little bit more credence to it. But, Chris, I think you'll agree with me, is D'Antonio doesn't seem like that type of guy. I mean, because how many times did he have opportunities to go elsewhere and he never even took interviews elsewhere? Oh, yeah. I mean, he had the opportunity to go to South Carolina. They wanted him. I mean, that was that's his alma mater. Yeah. And, and uh, he, turned it, he turned it down. And, and so, I, like I said, I think there's just a, a bunch of things. But I think the biggest thing is he's just wore out. Yeah. And then the other the other one, too, about the board of trustees forcing him out. Now, there's been plenty of times where I've expressed my disdain with the Michigan State Board of Trustees, most notably Joel Ferguson for the way they handled their Larry Nassar survivors. But if the board of trustees forced him out, then why is he allowed to remain on campus with a job in another capacity? 
if they're forcing them out, usually it's screw you, you're fired, get out. We don't want to see your face around here anymore. So yeah. I mean that kind of put throws that into question as well. Yeah, and I mean the yeah, the board trustees have done some goofy things, obviously. But I like I said, I just think there's there's more to this. D'Antonio is a very personal person. Uh, I guess how do you say it? He's, he's just his personal life. He likes to keep it to himself. And so I, I don't really, I think he's just going to let this float out there for a while. It'll slowly go away. Um, and I think Michigan state's just going to have to figure out how to move on now. I'm looking over at his college coaching career. He started in 1980, a couple years after his playing career with Ohio, the Bobcats as a GA next year, went on to Purdue as a GA went to Butler community college as a defensive coordinator, then to Ohio state as a GA in 83, 84 Akron as a DB coach. Uh, that, that's actually, you know, pretty good. He's got some little Mac ties here. Youngstown State as a defensive coach. Kansas as a DB coach. Actually was at Michigan State, I believe, with Nick Saban from 95 yes. to 2000 as a DB coach. And then ended up over at Ohio State with uh, Trestle from yes. 2001 to three. I also believe, did he coach? I don't know. if He might have, after Beckman might have been a little bit after him, too. Then Cincinnati, and then he ended up being at... Uh, Michigan State from 2007 to 2020. Actually, I think believe he was the head coach at Cincinnati from 04 to 06. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. Overall record 132 and 74. All-time winning as coach at Michigan State. Michigan State football was bad for a period there. I mean, heck, you knew who was going to win the Little Brother Bowl, and that was going to be Michigan. <laughs> and also, he's 0-1 in college football playoffs. Two-time Big Ten Coach of the Year. Uh, like I said, really great, I think, great coach. I, I really think it's more or less he was tired and worn out. I mean, come on, look at think about it. He started coaching in 1980 and went all the way to 2020, basically. That's yeah. that's 30 good, 40, no, 40 good years of coaching. Exactly. And, I mean, I mentioned it too. Father Time is undefeated and never lost. True. So, but kind of – Looking at what's next for Michigan State, everyone wondered, well, who's going to step in now? Mike Tressel is just kind of the interim coach right now, doing a lot of the day-to-day stuff. Uh, and, Chris, the rumors have been pretty rampant that Luke Fickle, the current head coach at the University of Cincinnati, is going to be the next head coach. And, again, there are rumors that I have heard that Fickle to MSU is a done deal. I'm not saying that it is. I'm just only reporting what I've heard, and uh, anyone listening to this is not to take it as gospel. But do you think there's any credence to that? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Um, there's just an article that was released that uh, said that he is. I mean, it, they they're saying that he is going to interview, um, but I think that him and a lot, as well as uh, Mel Tucker from Colorado are set to interview. That's from the Detroit Free Press. I mean, um, well, Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker's kind of an interesting name. I mean, granted, he's been he's been around as kind of a, as a defensive coordinator, a defensive backs coach. I know he's I know he's spent some time down in the SEC as well. Well, and also at coached with D'Antonio at Ohio State. But the thing is, I'm not around. I'm really not sold on him as a college head coach because he was five and seven in one year at Colorado. Yeah, well, and it just happened so late in the cycle, um, and 
you know, as a coach, you got to hate having these recruits come, sign their letters of intent, and then all of a sudden you're, I mean, this is the later sign, one of the later signing periods, and you're just up and you can up and leave. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough for Michigan State to pull some of these coaches, especially Luke Fickle, away from Cincinnati. I, I think they almost might have to go up um, this season with Trestle as interim on an interim basis, and then see what happens at the end of this next season. But I, mean, I, I, I find it I find it hard. Well, money talks. The rumors though, out too. there of yeah, money the talks. Rumors, coaches walk. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if if we do get say we do get Luke Fickle or Mel Tucker, then we as Michigan State Spartans can't get mad, kind of like we do with Saban when they up and up and leave. You know, and, did Saban up and leave Michigan State? Didn't he? Didn't yeah. he go to pro? Yeah. Pro? No, he no, went he to went LSU. to LSU. Yeah, he went to LSU. That's right. Then, but yeah. of course, there's a time where he said that. <laughs> Where there was a talk that he interviewed with the New York Giants and said, I didn't interview with the Giants in New York. No, he interviewed with them in New Jersey. Oh, <laughs> Look that one up. Yeah, get technical there. I, I, by the way, a little bit of a correction here. Actually, Dan, Dan and Tony has 110 and 52 record at Michigan State, um, giving him the highest winning percentage. Uh, but as I said before, he got his 110th victory on this September 21st, uh, 2019. Yeah. yeah, he's 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 been a really good coach for Michigan State, and it's sad to see him go. Um, but I, I just kind of I'm trying to look to the try and look to the future, and uh, I I just hope we can get somebody that you know takes Michigan State to the next level and does just as good, if not better than what D'Antonio did. I'd hate to regress kind of like we did with uh, <laughs> the John L. Smith years. And the Bobby so. Williams years. Yeah, but John L. Smith was worse than the Bobby Williams years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you guys That's You guys true. didn't want a Rose Bowl since 88, and during his tenure, I believe you guys won a, the 2014 Rose Bowl, I believe. Yeah. Well, that, that, that was good, but you're right. And they probably will either bring in Trestle – but I never, you never know. Like I said, these universities, they got that cash. You never know who that big donor is that can back you up. And if they're flinging that money around, they can attract someone. And remember, Michigan State's not just a program. I mean, it, it actually is on steady ground here. So it is actually a really attractive job. Some people even mention Matt Campbell, maybe. Although Campbell right. has said he's staying put. So he said, right, but you never take know. Take that for what it's worth. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, they could say D'Antonio says, I'm a Spartan for life, and then he goes somewhere else. Yeah, and I mean, even Luke Fickle's mentioned, but some have said that he might be somebody who takes over at Ohio State if, and I'm saying if, Ryan Day were to bolt for the NFL. But didn't Fickle already get his audition at Ohio State? Okay. And they did poorly. First off, a little bit of clarity on that. He had to take over as the interim coach after Jim Trestle suddenly resigned in May. And I don't think he was ready to be a coach of a big time program at that point. And now I think Urban came the, in there and just really. Now I think after learning under Uncle Urban. Wait a minute. Well, what's the difference between him and Ryan Day? Ryan Day takes over the program and doesn't even miss a step at all. Well, I guess Ryan Day was a little bit more prepared. Okay. Because I think Ryan Day also came in with. Um, I believe he was previously an NFL assistant before he was at Temple, and then Urban brings him in as his offensive coordinator. Okay. I mean, but, he still was under Trestle, I think, Fickle, so you can't sit there and say, well, I don't know. He, yeah. I, mean, I just thought he had an audition, and it it was very shady. Yeah, but uh, I think we can agree that at that time, Fickle wasn't ready. 
Okay. So, but then after he came back, learned under Uncle Urban for a few years, and then he took the Cincinnati job. I think he had some things figured out. He he learned what to do, what not to do, and things of the like like that. Why does everyone keep thinking Ryan Day is going to jump to the NFL? I, I got it. Um. Do you want him to? Because you don't want him to dominate. Oh no, the no, team? no! I'm not. Say, I'm not saying I want him to. I'm thinking that he. I'm thinking that there could come a time where NFL teams might want him, mm. and it depends if the if the offer is good enough. If he's got, then I think he could potentially take it. Because he, I believe he. I mean, I'd have to look this up. I believe he did have some time as an as an assistant with an NFL team. Team at some point in his career. Well, give Dan Antonio credit. At least oh, he yes. won the pinstripe bowl his last game. So with the seven and six season, I know that's you know kind well, of mediocre compared to know, the seasons he had. But at least he went out with a bang. And and for all that he's done for the program, bring him back to being relevant. And I say, yeah, he earned that four point three million dollar bonus. Mm-hmm. I've said that plenty of times, and I say, you know what? Build the man a statue. And Chris, I'm sure you'll be more than happy to. Uh, cut a check to make sure that happens. I don't know if you say build uh, a statue. I'm not going to cut a check for that. <laughs> what about just naming something like a weight room or a, or athletic hall after him or something? Wouldn't that be a little bit better than building a statue for him? I think Mark Antonio, that's what he would more than probably likely refer. He's not the type of person that he wants all this praise heaped on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said earlier, he's kind of this person that likes to uh, you know, put the attention someplace else. Right. Um, and that's why I think this whole, these whole court cases and ESPN reports and all this have really worn on him. Um, it's, it's also worn on Tom Izzo too. You can tell. Yeah, he, Tom but, Izzo's really aged. But I could see a, I could see a, a I could see a weight room or a, a area of the stadium. I mean, he's going to be on the uh, Ring of Fame and the and the stadium mm-hmm. down the road here. Um, he's he's earned every every right. I mean. Like you guys said, he he took. I mean, when he came in two thousand seven, uh, and uh, he he just came right in guns a blazes, saying that we're changing the culture, and he did. Um, that was my first year at Michigan State, and man, I could tell a difference. So wait a minute. So your first, were you there before Dan Antonio was there, and then after the, your second year, you were there, or did you come in with him? I came in. I came in with Dan Antonio. Okay. And but I had always been a fan. I've always grown up being a fan. My dad went to Michigan State, mm-hmm. so I've always watched them. Uh, the John L. Smith years, they were. I mean, I went to. I was my first time I was ever in the, the student section was actually when I was, oh geez, seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousin, she went to Michigan State, and she invited me to go to the game against Illinois, and that was my first ever Michigan State football game, and that was just horrible. <laughs> Why? Uh, it was horrible. The, the just. I mean, it was awesome going to the game, but those years, just John, between Bobby Williams, John L. Smith, um, it was a, it wasn't a struggle to be the fan, but you knew we could always be we'd be better. And you got Ann Arbor down the road, mm-hmm. and they're they're winning constantly. And then you got this guy Mark D'Antonio that comes in from the University of Cincinnati, and he says we're going to win, we're going to beat Michigan. And it took him a little while. It did, but. He came in and man, he made cultural changes. I mean, one of the top linebackers, Sir Darian Adams, um, he he didn't quite get along with D'Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got into some legal trouble, and D'Antonio said, "You're off the team." And so, uh, 
us as fans, we kind of like that culture change in the Heart Dome's defense that him and Narduzzi brought. So, so it says his first season there, he had Brian Hoyer and Connor Dixon as his quarterbacks. Also had some guy named Nick Foles as well. Nick Foles? I thought Nick Foles ended up being at uh, Arizona. No, he actually initially came to Michigan, Michigan State. State at first, and right. then he transferred to Arizona. Right, right. yeah, that's yeah. true. And Nick Foles ended up beating Toledo really badly here. Uh, this, I think his junior year when they came to the Glass Bowl, I think they beat him like 41-2. to two. Uh, Yeah, I was there for that yeah, one. That was, that was a beat down. It's a, uh, it, you know, and I know Narduzzi. He he shot he shot down uh, the coaching uh, interview. Uh, he wanted he wants to stay at Pitt. I think he wants to build it up. He's in a good conference, but he's had some struggle, good years and bad years. Um, but I like the idea of somebody coming from outside. Um, I I like Mike Tressel. I think he would be an intriguing head coach. But I almost want to have some some breath of fresh air come in um, but I'm not saying take a risk on somebody I think I think Fickle is a, a, a safe hire mm-hmm. um, and has had experiences with different coaches but um, I look at Trussell and he's been with D'Antonio in the same system for 15-16 years and and I it's just like having any other job you get more and better experiences when you move around a little bit so that's why I, I would prefer to see somebody come from outside a little bit. John L. Smith in his last season had a video of him um, slapping himself at the post-game press conference. I think it was after that Notre Dame <laughs> yes, debacle. The Notre Dame debacle, yes. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like to me he was just made. On November 1st, Michigan State decided not to retain John L. Smith. Uh, and the remainder of his contract was bought, bought out for $1.5 million. Um uh, basically, his coaching staff stayed on for a four and eight record and one and seven in the Big Ten. Yeah, that, that was a rough year. <laughs> twenty two and twenty six in his four seasons at Michigan State. Wow. So he, he just it just didn't work out at Michigan State for John L. Smith, even though your friend Chris here basically has nightmares about him. <laughs> I thought. I thought well, it- Give you, give you, good, give you a, a, something even funnier. My cousin, she graduated from Michigan State, and John L. Smith got let go. I came into Michigan State with the Antonio, and then uh, she went to get one of her law degrees at um, Arkansas, yeah, and he the got... Razorbacks, mm-hmm. and she works for the university. And when John L. Smith uh, replaced uh, Patino, I believe. Bobby Petrino. Yeah, Petrino. Uh, she <laughs> immediately texted me with horror because she was she was like, oh, no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I just, I just really hope they do their due diligence. I hope, I mean, the, the search committee has been forced in a unique position and I don't know necessarily if they hired the right firm to do the coaching search because everything I've read, they have not, they don't have uh, good, uh, I don't hear very many people saying good reviews about them. Yeah, that year, actually, he was only there for a year and he had a four and eight season. So it just seemed like Smith was losing his touch with the kids over, especially in Arkansas. It happens though. It totally happens. Uh, Now, do you live in East Lansing? No, I live in uh, 
I live just north of Toledo in Monroe. Oh, okay. So you, you but you had so what was your degree in from Michigan State? No, it was uh, crop and soil sciences. Oh, okay, wow, nice crop and soil sciences. Mm. Yeah. So did you go to Michigan State games for basketball as well? Those were some good. Oh games. yeah, I I got into lower bowl. Uh, I think it was my junior year. Did you get the is zone or whatever? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Now, who was that? The... Who was at Michigan State while you were there? Well, you were there when Draymond Green was there, right? Uh, he kind yeah, but he kind of uh, his senior year is when he uh, that was that was the year after I uh, graduated. Mm-hmm. I was there when that team was ranked number two and just fell apart. Was that with Calvin Tolbert? No, no, no. That was that, with that, uh, that was Caleb Lucas. Lucas, Jarrell Summers. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know they went to. Yeah. The that Final was the year fours. Corey Lucius got kicked off the team. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, a lot of bad things happen. I there must be something about Raymar Morgan that he had a way of keeping the team together because we really only lost him. And I mean, we had every right to be ranked where we were ranked, and we just—I don't think it's anything about Izzo. I think it's just his players got it in their head that they were a lot better than what they they thought. So. Mm. Mm, nice. What is it like over there at the Breslin, though? Just just getting a Michigan State fans' perspective, since it is basketball season and Michigan is playing Michigan State, but it's over at Chrysler. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, that Breslin Center. There's a reason that 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 stadium is is ranked high when it comes to uh, crowd mm-hmm. and home court advantage because when when Michigan State basketball gets rolling, oh my gosh, that crowd, it's just the thunder and shouting, and uh, it's a great fan base. It's just, uh, my first two years, I was in the upper bowl, so it's all the way up to the top against the wall. Um, you had to have perfect attendance, and it doesn't do you have perfect attendance. What do you mean? to lower bowl. Oh, really? So, so uh, yeah. they, they keep track? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, if you want to get lower bowl tickets, you have to have basically perfect attendance and attend the camp out. Um, and if you don't, uh, you're just stuck back up in the upper bowl again next year. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so basically you went to every, for how many years did you have to do that while you were there before you got in the well, lower bowl? That's, that's why my sophomore year I was up in the upper bowl again because I missed a couple of games. Mm-hmm. Um, don't want to get into that but right, right. Uh, <laughs> well you were living that college life though so i was living that college life a little bit so but no it's uh it just but you get in a raffle and so the earlier you get there the better chances you have of getting pulled in that raffle to be moved down to the lower bowl mm-hmm. and so as i went my sophomore year i got into some more of the raffles where i got down the lower bowl i had some friends that were down there so it, it made for a um really fun time so how does someone get like a courtside seat? I mean, is that a raffle or you just pay the tickets? You pay the you got to pay to be the boss. There's there's very very few courtside seats because of the is zone taking up a majority. There is area for uh, family of the players mm-hmm. for both the visiting team and the home team mm-hmm. and recruits. But other than that, there's there's, there's not much room. Is there is there suites at the Breslin Center at least? I mean, the wine and dine yeah. recruits or. So, I mean, it yeah, seems like it's always sold out. I mean, what if Magic Johnson shows up? Oh yeah, there's there's suites. Okay. Um, there's suites, uh, but there's not very many of them. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely a fun time to still go, even if you're not a student. Um, mm-hmm. the atmosphere is just it's awesome, especially when Michigan State's winning. Right. So. 
<laughs> he said if they're winning. And at one point, you know, they were up there, and then they've actually collapsed. Uh, Cassius Winston, I saw him play in high school. He made a guy fall off, off, off a crossover. I'm actually I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised by his career because when I first seen Cassius Winston, I didn't think he was really – it's like he had this doughy body frame. He didn't look like a basketball player, but he's got a lot of game. I thought he'd be pretty decent, uh, but he's actually had a phenomenal career, college career at Michigan State. Oh, yeah, he's got um, – and I think his – I'm pretty confident his mentality and this was mentality are very similar. They want to win. They're really hard on themselves when they don't, constantly working on things. And, and you know, they're going through a tough stretch right now. And uh, they're trying, but um, they're trying to get through it. They went through the same stretch last year in February where they uh, lost a couple of games. It just uh, it happens. And uh, But that atmosphere is just something else, especially when we're playing against Michigan. I'm trying to think, was Travis Walton there when you were there? Uh, yeah, he he was. Um, I came in, when I came in, uh, was, oh my gosh, uh, really, Drew Neitzel. Okay. Drew okay. Neitzel. Neitzel. Yes, I do. Remember. Yeah, that was he was he was one heck of a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Didn't and look my it, favorite, No, no. But uh, my uh, my favorite player though was Kalen Lucas. That guy could really ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, I he was a, I, for years. I've been saying it in high school that Michigan State really needed somebody to attack the basket, and we get Kalen Lucas, and that's exactly what he did. He just went right in. Um, I just. He got injured there in the senior year. That cost him issues. Lucius, Summers, their issues. I think in 2009, didn't they get to the Final Four? That was the one at Ford Field, right? Yeah, they got to the the national championship championship game. And unfortunately, it was uh, Goran Sutan who seemingly uh, was carrying the team at that point. And he was the only one who really showed up against Carolina. That's what I thought. Against the North Carolina team that was probably. You probably could have. Put uh, put together an NBA team out of, and maybe been somewhat competitive. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Now David Harris throwing jabs at Michigan State, saying that Kirk Cousins should be the head coach. That wouldn't be the first time he take a buttload of money for mediocrity. Well, that's because uh, David doesn't like the fact that Kirk Cousins got paid a ton of money from the Minnesota Vikings. David's just an NFL guy. He's a Penn State fan, for the record. Who's Timothy Charles? Oh, Tim's an old Tim's an old friend of mine. All right, so I appreciate you guys tuning in. And also, Chris, you did mention in basketball. Uh, right now, we've got apparently it's three three with after the first five minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. So I do have to ask you about. Uh, since you were an Izzone member, let's say hypothetically that today's game was played in East Lansing, and you find out about one Jeff Jackson Simpson, oh, wait, wait, Xavier wait. Simpson, uh, and Stop, the stuff that happened to him. What would you have done? Just want to know. Uh, I wouldn't have done anything, but uh, I know some students that would have probably made some sort of sign to bring sneak in there, um, even, and then they'd get it taken away, or... Uh, you know, there'd be some sort of chant. I'm sure there will be a chant. Um, it all depends on how nice it is. And the other thing, too, is that when when there was a, a chant about a player that maybe wasn't appropriate, man, you would hear it from Izzo. 
Yeah. Uh, we want to be afraid to turn around and tell the student section to be quiet. Um, he wants, he wants the student section and I'll tell you what, he wants them to have respect for people. Um, I can go into some stories about, there was some, <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember, uh, Pringle. Oh yes. I, you told yeah. me this story. <laughs> yeah. So there was a lot of Pringle cans brought into the, the game. This is a Penn former State. Penn State player, Stanley Pringle. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so, um, but, uh, I mean, if you go to Michigan State football games, you hear a lot of cursing and swearing. You you don't hear barely at all at, at the Breslin Center. Uh, they have done a really good job of trying to get um, people to be respectful. But, I mean, there are still times where we find out um, what other players' lives, personal lives, are going on there. Um, and uh, <laughs> they find out. Uh, we find ways to get in their heads a little bit. So... <laughs> Yeah, well, Derek and I actually heard a story from a couple of people at Central Michigan when uh, I think Central was playing at Michigan State. The uh, student section was chanting Enos the Penis at Dan Enos. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> and and, and uh, I, would, I would mention the Stanley Pringle story, but I don't know if it's appropriate to say on the air. No, no, they can just, people can just look it up. Um, and it, just think of what people were doing with the Pringle cans. It's, I mean, it got in his head. You know, he don't think he had a very good game that day. So, but mm, so going down memory lane. Well, Chris, man, thanks for calling in and giving us your input, especially for a Michigan State fan. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, and keep listening to the show. Do you listen to the podcast at all, or you just watch on the live? I just watch it live when I can. And then when I'm driving for work, I'll uh, I'll sometimes pop a podcast in. Because make sure you check out the BHC, the Ballhead Club uh, episode where Frank is now totally let his hair go, and he's part of the Ballhead Club. Oh, oh yeah, uh, Frank's Frank's a good guy. You actually, know? how do you know Frank? <laughs> Chris and I go way uh, back. We Wait. go way back. Our dads actually uh, knew each other pretty well. They were on the uh, Monroe County Fair board together, and so we go to these uh, work bees at at the fair to get the fair ready. And, uh, I would. Uh, Sit, I talked to Frank while our dads were working and got to know Frank really well. He's a good guy. So I got some good stories about Frank, but those are for another time. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, so once again, great guy, D'Antonio Lees. I know, did you cry? Because I know Frank said he cried. I did not. Oh, That's fake did. news. Oh, okay, sorry. Nothing burger there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a tough loss. I didn't cry. Um, I've been actually saying if he doesn't make changes, he needs to go. That's all. You're part of the firing. You want to. You want his head on an axe. I didn't want him to get fired. I. I much rather preferred him to step away on his own terms. And he did. He, he did. He, he stepped away from his own terms, and hopefully the program keeps going though. Because sometimes people will say, "Well, he saw this coming, and the program fell apart." Mm, no, I mean you can't predict all these injuries and all the recruits backing out. And um, for years, D'Antonio took Michigan State to where it is at on recruits that. Weren't highly ranked. True. So a lot of two stars and three stars, and then that, that also leads to player development. Really good at player development as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, look at look at Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> I mean, at one time he was the best uh, running back in the NFL. He was. And then he's also he was kind of the craziest. Yeah. Yeah. And most but, arrogant. And wanted to be a yeah. rapper. Uh. uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so just how it is. It's it's just funny seeing Le'Veon Bell and how he goes about his business, and then you watch somebody like Draymond Green in the NBA and how he goes about his business. You know, uh, kind of similar personalities but different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, uh, Draymond Green was getting recruited heavily by Central Michigan. A lot of people worried about his weight and everything, but I mean, I think going to Michigan State, you know, he wasn't really a high high recruit. But he went in there and, and just like Le'Veon Bell did the work, and I, I really think um, I know Izzo and Dan Antonio kind of get bashed for the Nasser thing, even though that's not their fault. But obviously, the media has painted a picture of this nasty cloud and sucking them into it. Um, but but you gotta, gotta admit those two coaches really were great role models for young men. Yeah, I can actually remember when they were because I follow recruiting. Um, I used to follow recruiting a lot more than I do now, but. Um, that's what what will happen when you have kids. But um, mm-hmm. what as as when I was following Draymond Green, um, and he flipped from Minnesota to Michigan State after Tubby Smith got fired, and Tubby Smith told Michigan uh, Tom Izzo, "Hey, you got to give a scholarship to this guy." That was a big thing with Draymond Green is, "Hey, he's gonna have to lose weight if he wants to be good." And man, he took that to heart. He shed the pounds in his sophomore year. Man, he he started tearing it up a little bit more than he kind of junior year. Junior kind of reminded me kind of what Xavier Tillman's doing now, you know, trying to take a better step in the right direction. Right. So. And then when he when he got to the NBA, he lost even more weight and then became kind of like that. In small ball, he was the five-man for Golden State, but really oh, yeah. a, a key cog for them winning championships and getting to like four straight NBA finals. But Chris, yeah, like he, I said, no, keep going. Yeah, he's, he's just one heck of a defensive player, um, and he can match up against anybody one through five. So, except for in the post. Right. Yeah, the NBA is a little harder. Well, Chris, man, thanks for calling in, man. Yep, thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Yep. That was Chris, Frank's friend on the on the 88.3 WTs after further review phone lines here. A great call, uh, Frank. Yeah, it was. We had some good talk with him. And even though we had a few technical problems with our with the aux cords and our phone lines still not working, so hopefully that's stuff that does get fixed soon. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll see. Yeah, knock on wood. Yeah, you like this new beat? Yeah, it's all right. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, the aux cord is, but that's probably why they let it hang there. So we're gonna fix this aux cord real quick for you here on eighty-eight point three WTS. After further review, actually, I'll turn this down because this is just getting on my nerves. So yeah, we found out because I was wondering this aux cord was just laying on the ground. I was like, why is this aux cord laying on the ground? Yeah, it turns out that uh, it ain't worth two dead flies. Well, true. So now we got to go back to the old X cord here. The old aux cord here. Hopefully one day uh old aux is up. But we're going to take a quick commercial break. Yep. And now let's listen to this. There oh, we go. Bad. There you that go. That's much better. better. There we go. So we're gonna take a quick commercial break. We'll have a little short segment about. Mm, I guess we'll talk about your boy Xavier Simpson. You got that story potted up. This better not be I fake do. news. It, 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 I have it from reports from MYVSPN. It's it's not fake news. Okay. Sounds it's, crazy, but it's not. And also. Oh, before we go to break, quick shout out to Blitzfield High School's Ty Wyman for reaching a thousand career points last night, even though uh, Blitzfield put an ass whooping on Dundee. 
Oh, really? What was the ass whooping? Again, yeah, those we, Bliss, Blissfield bad boys. Well, they beat us 68-44, but again, we seemingly couldn't hit water if we were standing on a boat dock in the middle of a lake. <laughs> but, I mean, it was actually pretty cool for me to announce someone reaching a milestone. And oddly enough, it came a week after I watched Imani Bates score his thousandth career point. Wow, you're a lucky guy. <laughs> so now I'm beginning to wonder, okay, is there somebody... Is there anyone else who's going to be close to a milestone? I know we play Onstead next, so <laughs> possibly might get that thousand ball. So I don't, I don't know if uh, anybody from Onstead's close to hitting a thousand. The only one I could think of would probably be Travis Hill. Hmm. When you listen to eighty-eight point three WCTs, after for the review, make sure you check us out on the podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes. When we return, talk a little bit about Xavier Simpson, kind of a local product, even though he's from Lima, he's still from the Northwest Ohio area. And the real reason that he possibly got suspended next on After Further Review.